and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl. Well, I'm a screen guy. Oh, Pennsylvania. We love Pennsylvania. As we continue our discussions in Northwest PA, I'm looking forward to getting a bit more granular about why Erie is so, so purple. As many of you know, Erie is one of just three Pennsylvania counties that voted for Obama, but then flipped to Trump. Last November, it flipped back to the blue. In fact, the Biden-Harris ticket found about 10,000 more votes in Erie than the Clinton-Cain ticket was able to do. Now, a win like that just doesn't happen. Behind any political victory, there's multiple factors, but a constant is there are always the unheralded staff that are deep in the trenches. So a win like last November's in Erie is due in large part to extensive field organizing. And our guest, E.J. Fike, he knows literally every precinct of the county. Biden-Harris' victory in Erie is due in large part to the great work he did as a paid staffer, leading a diverse team of volunteers. As activism has not slowed down this year, and I know you'll really appreciate his unique perspective. Hello, Erie. May I please have you a vote? <laughs> right? I love Erie. No, hey, we had a big deal in Erie. We had a big deal in Erie, right? This was not supposed to be a Trump thing. EJ Fike, welcome to my kitchen table. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I got to ask you, are you, uh, are you born and raised up in Erie? Or? I am born and raised in Erie, yep. I am uh, here. <laughs> You know, the last three decades or so, we're about the same age, the last three or four decades in Erie, so much has changed. I mean, when you look back at elementary and middle school, what would you say some of the biggest changes are? Oh, wow. You know, it's funny you say that. I actually have a 16-year-old daughter. She's going to be a junior in, at Collegiate Academy up here in Erie. One of the biggest things I noticed was growing up, I was like one, it was, there was either African-Americans or Spanish or Bosnian kids in the school. Uh, in the city. And now there's weird. There's just such a huge, diverse group. You have so many people from so many different countries that are here now in Erie. And for my daughter to grow up with all these different kids that for me, it would have been like, oh, there's somebody wearing a hijab. Why is she wearing that? She grows up with these kids and it's, it's second, you know, it's just, oh, she's just wearing that. That's part of her culture. So I think like the biggest thing is, I guess, the diversity now in the city versus when I was growing up. I'm Filipino and I was like the only Asian dude in the whole city. If well, at least that's what it felt like growing up and everything. And now, you know, they have like uh, AAPI uh, coalitions around here and everything. There's Asian clubs and stuff. So it's, you know, I would say the demographics shifts huge over the last 30 years. We had a great sit down with your county executive, Kathy Dalkemper, and she also spoke to, uh, uh, it was a great term she used, new Americans, and uh, particularly uh, looking through the lens of, of political organizing, uh, which you're an expert on. You know, be really uh, curious. I think our listeners would be curious to kind of talk about those communities and the role they play, not only in uh, Erie society, but, you know, come election season. I think one of the biggest things about it is the new Americans are very, very active. And I don't think people realize that. They have, 
they're one of the first groups that I tend to go to when um, it's time to organize for a candidate because they're already organized. You can uh, reach out to them. They have kind of like boots on the ground. They're ready to go. And they're very active in the local community. They, they want to see Erie thrive. They've really embraced making it their home. And they're really invested in what's going on moving forward. So they're, they're very important. And they all vote, which is huge because a lot of our traditional Americans, I guess, our citizens that are born here, they don't really exercise that right. And a lot of the new Americans, they're coming from places where, you know, they would have loved the opportunity to have a say in their local, you know, in their daily lives. So they really take advantage of it here. Well, that, that I mean, that is really heartening. And we have a lot of statewide candidates and campaign managers and other staffers that listen to uh, this podcast. And I hope they do take that to heart. I mean, the, my understanding is the Biden-Harris ticket invested more time and money in organizing new Americans in purple states like Pennsylvania than any other presidential uh, campaign. So, you know, particularly I'm reminded, you say Bosnian Americans, and I've spent a lot of time actually in Bosnia and in the former Yugoslavia, and it's just a perfect example that decisions that are made by American elected officials have ripple effects and very direct effects uh, in certain regions of the globe. So tell we we've we've alluded to this, uh, but give give folks a sense of how this political bug that you caught, how did that all begin, and how did you become the organizer that you are? You know, it's kind of crazy. Is I kind of fell into it. I am probably the most non-traditional campaign worker there is out there. Uh, the reason why I say that is, is I was like a bartender for like fifteen years before I worked on my first campaign or anything, and uh, I went back to college late in life. I just worked an internship with a local politician here. His name is uh, Councilman Andre Horton. He's the first African-American ever elected to county council here in Erie, which is awesome for him, but still sad because it was just like eight years ago that he was elected. So that says a lot about our area. But he kind of introduced me to the local politics system and um, introduced me to a great guy named Ron Nicola. I started working with Ron on some projects that he had going on here. Um, my first job was organizing for the community college here in Erie that they're it's going to be starting their new classes this fall, which is awesome and exciting. So once I kind of saw that as a regular person who was, you know, getting people a exercise of ranch, you know, just a year ago, I was able to kind of push agendas and organize big groups of people and talk to these people, you know, a lot of elected officials who I thought were untouchable when I was just kind of a regular person. I couldn't let go. You know, it was amazing. And then I guess I did okay because I was offered some positions, you know, on congressional races and then the presidential last year. So, and now, now I'm here. Good, good, good stuff to unpack and look forward to, to going step by step. Uh, I, I do think it's important to remind listeners, especially as we grow our listenership in Northwest VA, about the community college because that is a long time coming and is super, super exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm really pumped for it, uh, especially because. If you, when you start reading the stats and seeing how kind of neglected Erie County has been for so long and all the resources that are going around to the rest of the state that haven't necessarily come up here, you kind of don't believe it at first. And I think a lot of the people around here still have a hard time understanding what this community college is really going to do for our local economy, for the youth, just in general. It's not a, you know, it's not going to fix, it's not a fix all, but it's definitely a rung in the ladder to help us raise our economy and the social standing around here as well. Well, I don't think she's a listener, but I think Dr. Jill Biden would understand and, and certainly appreciates the importance of community colleges. So it's, that's super, super exciting. Obviously, I really hope that uh, it just makes a huge, huge splash. Uh, just what about a month from now, uh, classes will start. Okay, so so unpackaging all of that. So you catch the political bug, 
You link up with uh, an incredible guy, Ron DiNicola. Remind folks a little about his background and then get a little granular of uh, the excellent work that you did in the 2018 cycle. Yeah, well, Ron DiNicola, he's a local attorney. He was Muhammad Ali's personal attorney for, I think, like 20-some years. They were best friends, which was pretty cool because I actually have a son and his name is Cassius. I grew up a huge Muhammad Ali boxing fan and everything. And then I got to work for his attorney and I uh, got to meet his wife. She drove around in my Honda Sonata for three days here in Erie, which is pretty cool, you know, because that's surreal. But no, Ron's a great guy. He's champion of everything in Erie. He's somebody that's self-made. He went to the Marines so he could go to college, graduated from Harvard graduated from Georgetown Law, became super successful out in California, but then he decided he wanted to come back to Erie and help Erie build, which is pretty awesome because a lot of people, they don't come back once they leave. And so once, you know, he had run for office before back in the 90s and the maps had changed in 2018, it gave Democrats a little bit more of a more of a shot. It was still a, a rough road, but we came in close. You know, I think Ron, we lost by about four points. We closed, I think we opened up 23, uh, 21 points down. I really feel that if we would have had some more time, we jumped in the race so late. Uh, it was petition signing week when we actually jumped in the race officially. I think if we would have had some more time to do some organizing early on down in those lower counties like Lawrence and Mercer, because that's really where we got, took a pretty bad beating. We, we could have really changed some things and maybe maybe won that race in 2018. Yes, as I recall, it was, uh, it was less than 9,000 votes against Congressman Kelly. Yeah, I think it is important for listeners to kind of unpackage just the, the diversity. Uh, you obviously have a densely populated city of Erie, uh, more affluent Erie County, and then it's just, I'm going to use the term radically changes as you make your way uh, east and south. Uh, if you could speak to... Uh, uh, just the, the black and white. I mean, really night, night, night and day uh, changes as you move into the rest of the district. You know, it's kind of crazy. It's it's not even once you get out of the county. It's once you almost get out of the city of Erie, you start getting into the suburbs of like Mill Creek, Fairview, Girard, Union City. You know, they don't really call it rural, but this is more of, the, a, more of a, a rural kind of mindset, the more conservative values kind of that. It's not those the ideas that you typically find in the cities. So it's really tough because around here, you know, there's Democrats that are, they grew up their whole lives. They're all about firearms and 2A. You know what I mean? This is a huge Catholic population in this area. They're very pro-life around here. Democrats, or I mean, pro, yeah, pro-life down here. Democrats, you know. So to, to run a race in this area, it's tough because one, you're never going to make the progressives happy around here, you know, because you can't, you can't be AOC and Erie PA and, and expect to do anything. You just can't. You know, you can embody her values, but you can't use the words that she uses. You know, you can't get on the, the megaphone and, and scream some of the same things she does. You have to be cognitive of your base. And they're a lot more conservative, the Democrats around here. And then once you get down into, you know, Crawford County and Mercer and Lawrence, you have little small pockets in the cities, Butler City, you know, uh, Newcastle, where you'll have your traditional Democrats. But really outside of that, it's a lot of moderate Dems and then Trump. It's Trump, Trump, Trump. And it's, and it's crazy because you could see the writing on the wall in 2018 for a lot of what happened in 20. You know, there's a lot of priming going on, I think. Uh, and what I mean by that is a lot of the calls that I got in 20 or a lot of the same calls that I got in 2018, you know, caravans, Muslims, we, you know, things like that, just a lot of flashy things. What was 
the biggest difference between being uh, an incredible campaign staffer and organizer in the 18th cycle versus the 20th cycle, leaving a very important COVID uh, footnote aside. But in terms of issues and and what uh, you and your team were, were, were wrestling with. Well, I think in 18, the biggest thing was Judge Kavanaugh. The whole issue with Judge Kavanaugh really affected our race, I think. I, I was point of contact for the campaign. So I got the emails and I got the phone calls and it was a lot of, I can't believe how, what you're doing to that man. You're treating him terrible. He's fought us, you know, a lot of, you Democrats are killing him. And, you know, does Ron support this? And at the time, you know, our, our answer was, well, you know, unfortunately, we're so worried with the campaign. We're not able to follow what's going on with that. We're sure that the Supreme Court and everybody will make their decision. You know, we're confident, you know, you give you the answer. But the reality of it is, is it was very, very important point uh during the campaign that and then the camp the caravan situation that they kind of created that disappeared miraculously right after the election um they primed a lot of you know the caravan coming to the border i think that was huge and it was just kind of one thing after another it was very nicely lined up almost i mean i i think if you were to go across all 67 pennsylvania counties uh periodically immigration is top of mind but with the incredible diversity and growth in these ethnic communities in the city of Erie, have politicians and candidates on the other side tried to, to use that and stir the pot in, frankly, pretty nefarious ways? Or Mike Kelly does. You know, he. I think he always has. He, I was afraid you were going to say that. I was hoping the answer was no, but I was afraid yeah. you were going to say that. His positions are pretty public. He's not. He's not. He doesn't try to hide it. You know, at all. Um, he's been very vocal about it. He. You know, they were big on it. They pushed the whole caravan thing and talked about border and Ron Nicola. I remember one of the commercials was uh, they took a photo of Ron that we had at an Italian festival. He was holding a, a pie like this and, and his smile was like this. And they took that photo and they photoshopped it onto a commercial. And Ron was representing Mexican drug cartel when he was in the 90s. He worked for a firm that represented somebody who had charges, you know, related to drugs. And Ron was on the case as a junior attorney and everything, but they tried to make it that Ron basically take, took over for, and he, uh, you know, represents terrorists and everything. So Mike Kelly tried to make it a case in 2018. And, and I think it worked a little bit, you know, a Hollywood uh, attorney, they used to call him California, Beverly Hills attorney, Ron Nicola is what they called it, I think. Well, I would take a Marine over a car dealer, uh, just, just uh, for the record, I think I'll a lot of our listeners would agree. But so moving into the 2020 cycle, you were quite busy, but give folks a sense of what you were doing in the trenches. Yeah, for 2020, I took on campaign manager for Christy Genevis in the same district, PA 16. I talked to Christy about working with her through the um, primary because she really needed somebody with experience raising money which was going to be her big Achilles heel. We, we kind of knew from the start, you know, because her background was she, she's a teacher. She worked three jobs, bartender, drove Uber at night and teach during the day. So we weren't able to write a $200,000 check to the campaign or anything like that. Started her campaign. That was amazing. We, uh, we did a lot of the work that we couldn't do with Ron's campaign, which was we started down in the South. It was spent almost three, four days a week going to Lawrence and Butler and Mercer County, um, just building relationships, meeting with people, you know, actually going to these to these rural areas who were, have been begging for Democrats for years to show up. And we actually showed up and the response was amazing. They embraced Christy. They loved the fact that, you know, she was a single mom who did all of this stuff on her own, you know, worked to get her PhD, beat cancer, you know, 
she would be an amazing congresswoman. I, I'm so disappointed that she didn't win because it would be amazing to have someone like her in there right now fighting for us up here. That's what we did. Um, after we secured the primary for Christie, she had a five-way primary. After we secured that primary, we moved over. I um, moved over to the PA Dems and I worked for uh, the Biden team to secure Erie County. Erie was my responsibility. So I organized here for Erie and... We were able to pull that out, which was really good, uh, thanks to cooperation between a lot of groups, not just myself, but local Erie Dems, uh, groups like Erie County United, and then just the individuals out here. We got some really passionate grassroots organizers in Erie. A lot of hope. Well, thank you, uh, belatedly, on multiple levels. And uh, I think it's important for the listeners to remember that from 2016, the Clinton ticket brought in about 58,000 votes, but the Biden ticket found over 68,000 votes uh, in Erie County. So if you give uh, folks a sense, I mean, uh, where, where do those 10,000 additional voters come from? Now, for the record, the Trump ticket found about 6,000 additional voters from their 2016 numbers, but we were up against the headwinds of a pandemic. But where, where, where do you think all those new folks came out from? One of the biggest things was consistency from... The midterms, the PA Dems came in in 2018, the coordinated campaign came in. In 2020, they had a lot of the same team working for them, a lot of the same political people. And then they brought someone like myself on board from Erie that was local, that had connections that, you know, wasn't from Philadelphia or Washington or California and had to, you know, hope people were going to answer their phone calls. Um, that was one of the nice things about working here is that, one of the toughest things in, pol in politics is getting people to return your phone calls and your emails. And, uh, you know, if you can get that done, you can get so much done. I think that made a huge difference. That and then the Erie County Dems themselves, they went out and they opened up offices in Union City and in Northeast. And I personally think that that had a huge impact on it because the response out there was overwhelming. You know, there, that office in Northeast was packed all the time. There's always people in and out union city, the same thing. And, you know, these are areas where five, six years ago, you'd be like, Oh, there's no point of going out there. There's no Dems. It's all, all Republicans. Why would we waste our time for 10, 20 votes? Well, there's not 10, 20 votes out in those areas. There's hundreds of votes, if not thousands. And I think that we capitalized on that as well as they really focused efforts on Erie. The, uh, the Clinton campaign, they didn't, you know, Hillary didn't come to Erie, unfortunately. I think Bill stopped by at the airport for a little bit. I begged the Biden campaign to bring Jill Biden to Erie to talk about the community college. I figured, you know, perfect. She's a huge community college advocate. We just opened a community college. And then, you know, they're smart, not smart enough, but they were, they had the time. They made the time to, to make the effort to come to Erie. And then they brought, President Biden here again. And I think showing up and showing people that they care made a huge difference because there was a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. Because I used to get the, when is, when is Joe coming? You know, Hillary didn't come. Is he not going to come? I think that just, it really motivated a lot of people. And then we did an amazing job with mail-in ballots that I think that, you know, they told them, they told people not to vote by mail. We told people to vote by mail. So, you know, they told people to go out during a pandemic and vote in person. And we told people to stay home and try to stay safe and vote by mail. So, you know, I think our strategy worked off a little bit. And, and our biggest opponent, or I, I think the person who helped us the most was Donald Trump, because he was telling people not to vote by mail almost every single day. And they listened to him, you know, so. I don't know who our 3,500 plus listeners are, but I had someone tell me that they have a hunch that a lot of them are hacks. So, and I, I think we can wear that as a badge of honor, those of us who consider ourselves uh, political hacks. So I think we have a lot of political hacks is what I'm saying. So if you could get a little granular 
uh, and talk about what it meant. So you were responsible for all of Erie County or for, for adjacent counties as well. And then there were physical offices, uh, even though there was a lot of virtual and hybrid. Originally, I was um, hired as the first organizer up here, and I was responsible for all of District 16. Then as we added on staff, we pared that down. We got it, we got organizers in each county, Mercer, Butler, Lawrence. I was originally, um, and then I was uh, um, responsible for Erie County. We got some more people, and then I got pared down to being responsible for just the city of Erie, which was nice because, you know, one person for the entire county is pretty tough. But we were able to, I think... By the end, we had seven of us up here responsible for uh, District 16, which is awesome. That's the most people they've ever had up here. We had a lot of staff and the PA Dems, you know, they opened up two offices. We had an office out in Mill Creek next on Peninsula Drive next to Ryan Bizarro's office. The Erie Dems, their office was always active downtown. And then we had another office that was kind of like our lit drop office where people would pick up their supplies and stuff to go knock doors. And that was out on West uh, 6th Street out there by... um, Westlake. You're not from here, so you don't know where Westlake is. You referenced a great uh, state representative, Ryan Pizarro. So he was on the ticket running for re-election. Uh, you had Julie Slavsky running for state Senate, obviously the congressional candidate we talked about, and then the statewide row offices. So to what extent were all these campaigns coordinating? Uh, I say that as we're smirking because Democrats sometimes don't coordinate, but if you could uh, reflect on that a bit. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> We we coordinated as much as we possibly could during a pandemic, I guess, is the best way to put it. Some, you know, some campaigns, the PA Dems had very strict rules in terms of COVID. You know, I worked remotely 90% of the time. It wasn't really till the last month that we were allowed to go out and kind of be in public. So a lot of the stuff we did were virtual training. Some of the campaigns, you know, they couldn't really afford to sit at home and do remote work. So they did their things, but we helped them in terms of we pushed volunteers their way. We helped with their phone banks, things like that. So, you know, it was a coordinated effort, but a lot of the campaigns, they they had their own game plan for the most part and they executed them. We were kind of more of assistants on the side. To whatever. The, mo- the main focus for us, honestly, was the presidential race. That was huge. When, when uh, President Biden came and, uh, and was there with the Union Plumbers, and that, that must have just been... Major, major ripple effects and momentum. Oh, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. And this job, you know, we get measured by kind of like shifts, phone calls, how many volunteers we have. And it was nice after those little events because, the, you know, our emails would blow up, the phone wouldn't stop. You know, everyone was motivated. They're pumped up and ready to go. And it's just, you know, I, I don't think we'll ever see anything like this again in the history unless Donald Trump were to somehow pop up again somehow, you know, but I don't, I don't think that'll happen. I think we're aware that something like that's possible. And I think the people who, uh, who work in these campaigns and everything are prepared now and they'll never get caught off guard or I guess underestimate someone like that again. But it was crazy this year. It was just so amazing how motivated people were in the, I've heard old ladies swear that I never thought would swear and just, you know, Republic lifelong Republicans switching tickets and EJ, I can't stand them anymore. You know, I can't stand the lies. I, I can't be a Democrat, but I want to make calls for you. You know, I have Republicans volunteering for me. It was crazy. I want to get to, to right here, right now, uh, in a moment. Uh, you've been super generous with your time. I'm very intrigued, if I heard you correctly, that the Erie Dems uh, have their own permanent office space and they had uh, invested in that, uh, which is something that I, I wish more counties across the Commonwealth uh, would take to heart. Yeah, the Erie, I got a, Jim Works, our chairman, he's amazing. I got to give it to him. Executive director, Chelsea Alcorn. We have an executive director. So that, you know, that speaks. We have someone full-time on staff that handles our party to make sure that our parties, because 
I mean, the last four years taught us is that Erie is a player. You know, if you want to get elected in Pennsylvania statewide, you better come to Erie and get some votes from Erie. If you want to win Pennsylvania, you come to Erie. And so, you know, we need to be prepared and they, they're amazing. I'm lucky enough to be on the executive committee of the Erie Dems. So uh, I get to actually see a lot of what's going on and they're just doing amazing work here and they're raising a ton of money. They're organizing people. They're activating voters that, like I said, have just been on the sidelines for years. It's they're, they're really a great team. Those two. You're not on the sidelines uh, right now this summer. So uh, tell, tell folks, what are you up to? What's a typical week? I'm actually right now, I just wrapped up a campaign uh, about a month ago. I worked a county executive race up here. Fortunately, we were not able to uh, secure that that spot. So if, if you're watching this, vote for uh, Dr. Tyler Titus for your county executive. He's going to be running in the fall. He's an amazing candidate. But uh, right now, I'm actually the executive director of a nonprofit. It's called Energize Erie. We uh, work with Erie County Juvenile Probation and Widget Financial, which is a local bank up here, to offer financial literacy training, mentorship, job training, basic life skills to kids that are on probation. I'm actually, like I said, I'm, I'm one of the most unorthodox probably political people you've ever had. I'm actually uh, a former person that was in trouble. I uh, was in jail. I went, I actually, uh, when I was a teenager, uh, got in trouble, was on probation. And then uh, in my early twenties, got in some bar fights that led to me uh, actually being incarcerated in state prison. So I've actually, I guess technically I'm a criminal on paper and everything like that uh, in my early twenties. And uh, I think that, to be honest with you, a lot of that has helped me in the work I do now, organizing and everything, is because I'm kind of able to navigate a lot of different uh, levels of society that some other political organizers aren't typically used to, because a lot of them come straight out of college. They don't really get to experience life in the world, and I've got to experience life a lot. Yeah, so what my program does is uh, basically we just try to keep kids from entering the adult criminal system, because once you do, it's kind of an anchor around your neck. And uh, we provide them with things. Uh, we open up bank accounts for them. We pay them $25 a week to go through a 10-week cohort with a $250 graduation bonus. So the kids get paid $500 to complete this program. We teach them things like how to tie their tie, how to sit up for a job interview. We record them on day one, and then we record them again on week nine. And the, the changes in just kind of their appearances, the way they sit up in their chairs, you know, their body language, the confidence that they speak with. It's just amazing. A lot of this stuff are, are just things that I wish I would have been taught when I was younger. And maybe someone kind of explained to me so that I would understand consequences a little bit more and what life is really like. So we're just trying to, to help out as many kids as we can at a time. And uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. And we're lucky enough to have community partners like Widget Financial and Erie County Probation uh, helping us with it. DJ, that, that is incredible, and that is uh, such a fitting, nonpartisan uh, message uh, for listeners across the Commonwealth and beyond that we have to, uh, to hear. So uh, I'll say it again. Thank you for uh, what you've been up to uh, recently and then certainly uh, uh, over the last few years. Absolutely, yeah. It's, you know, I got to say, man, it's, it's a pleasure because to get to, to work in these spaces and meet the people that I have because, you know, for a lot of people with my background – it's basically it. You're resigned to kind of working what you can get. And I, I was blessed enough to meet Andre and Ron, who they knew, they met me, they, they knew me, and they saw what I was uh, potentially capable of, and they gave me an opportunity. And 
if more people, hopefully, if you're listening to there, if you got somebody with a little blemish on their record who's trying to change their life, you know, it could end up working out for you because some of these people have been through more than a lot of people have. And that kind of resiliency helps a lot, especially when you're working 10, you know, 10, 12, 14, 30 days in a row on campaigns that you do and 10, 15 hours a day, you, you know, you got to have a little something to, to fall back on to get you through. So resiliency helps for sure. Here, here. That was sage advice and a great word uh, to end on. So, EJ, thank you again. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. As Hillary Clinton used to say, it takes a village. This podcast would not be possible without the help of Sarah McGrath and Jake Schwartz. If you liked this discussion, we would love for you to give us a review, subscribe, and rate us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a suggestion on a future guest and other feedback, visit our website, papoliticspodcast.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at PA Political Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn.